This message is part of the teaching provided by House on the Rock Fellowship, a church caring for the Miami Valley region. Before you listen, be sure to access the notes in the download section of the message page. Have a Bible ready. Thank you for being our guest. Hide and seek, show and tell. Which one would you prefer? Are you a hide and seek person or are you a show and tell person? If you had to have a choice. How many of you, I'd rather play hide and seek. You don't, see, you don't even want to raise your hand like, nope, I'm hiding. Not a chance. You'd rather, I'm a hide and seek. How many of you, nope, let's show and tell. All about show and tell. Uh, we had a little girl over in the first gathering. She's like, show and tell. Dude, she was ready to go. And like, now. I thought I was going to have to hand the microphone over. She was all about it. Uh, uh, me, personally, show and tell. Love show and tell. Got that from my dad. In fact, when my kids would have to do show and tell at elementary school, I was more excited than they were. Because we're not just going to take anything to the school. If we're going to show something off, we're going to show them something mighty and something great. Much to their embarrassment, no doubt. Don't care. It's a character-building experience for them. Uh, one time I had Lucas take in these giant jingle bells that hung off the back of a horse. Like, you know, jingle bells, rump bells they're called. Huge, massive leather straps. Big jingle bells. He's got them stuffed in his backpack. And this is show and tell during Christmas time. So as he's walking in, he's just going jingle, jingle, jingle. All the kids are like looking for Santa Claus. They're like, what is going on? Show and tell. Love show and tell. But how about when it comes to faith? How many of you grew up in a house where it was hide and seek when it came to faith? Or was it show and tell? When it came to faith, my parents hid the faith. My grandparents hid the faith, which meant I was left to seek it and find something on my own. Or maybe you grew up in a house that was show and tell. My grandmother showed me the faith and told me about the faith. My parents showed me the faith and told me the faith. No doubt we have covered everybody. But in this psalm, God says, we will not hide from the children. We will tell the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that he has done. And he goes on to say, it will change a hundred years worth of people. Did you know that? He established a testimony in Jacob, it says in verse 5, he appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers to teach to their children that the next generation might know them, the children yet unborn, and arise to tell their children. That's a hundred years. That's four generations. Because someone says, we're not going to play hide and seek. We're going to show and tell. A hundred years of people transformed. At 30,000 feet, the course of this last year, we've tried to and worked to impart certain things to you that have been passed on from generation to generation to generation within the life of the church. Things like the creed, we begin the year learning what we call the Apostles' Creed, important principles, truth statements. I believe in God the Father Almighty maker of heaven and earth. And in Jesus Christ, God's only son, our Lord, I believe in the Holy Spirit. Some of you grew up with the creed. Some of you passed on the creed to you. It's important because Jesus says, I'm the truth. And you need to know the truth. You need to know the truth. We slow down and we taught through prayer, the Lord's Prayer. Generation upon generation upon generation has passed on the Lord's Prayer. Jesus says, I am the life. 
Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. We prayed at the end of our gatherings. Perfectly, you are learning to saturate your own prayer life in the life, the prayer life of your home in the Lord's Prayer. And then for generation upon generation upon generation, the Ten Commandments have passed on as the way of following Jesus. Jesus, I am the truth, I am the way, I am the life. That there's an ethic. We're to live our lives in a way that is worthy for the gospel. Worthy. Your life should align up with Jesus' kingdom way. What's that look like? Well, it begins with a story. Jesus, God says to the Israelites in Exodus 20 and Deuteronomy chapter 5, for I'm the Lord your God who brought you out of slavery. You'll have no other gods before me. Number one, don't make for yourself any graven images. You're the image. You are the image bearer of my deliverance and my love. My, you don't need to carve images. You don't need to set up false idols. You don't need those things. You are the world's picture of what I am doing to deliver them. You're the image bearer. Three, so don't bear my name in vain. Hold up my reputation high. You value what I value. You represent me well. Not in an empty way, but in a way of purpose and meaning. Last week, remember the Sabbath day. Keep it holy. God meets us in time, and we are to set aside time within the rhythms of life to prioritize God's deliverance, to hop off the hamster wheel, to step out of the rat race, to say there's a better way of being human and let that be a sign to our kids and our neighbors of a Sabbath eternal that's coming. If you haven't had a chance to listen to these messages or, or be here, you can go to our website, whoishouseontherock.com and get caught up. But as the commandments continue, honor your father and your mother. Let's write that down. Honor your father and mother. We're going to look at this passage in Deuteronomy chapter 5. It's the second giving of the Ten Commandments. We have been spending time in Exodus 20. Uh, if you're in, in Deuteronomy chapter 5, it'll be a little easier for you as we maneuver some other passages this morning. But society hinges on a command like this. You have two tablets. Commandments 1 through 5, commandments 6 through 10. Love God, loving others. Right in the middle, like a door that swings, is the commandment, honor your father and mother. It's the bridge from one to the other. It's how I learned to love God. It's how I learned to love others. So why don't we look at it together? Open up your copies of Scripture. Turn to Deuteronomy chapter 5. We'll look at verse 16. Deuteronomy 5, verse 16. It says simply, honor your father and mother as the Lord God commanded you that your days may be long, that it may go well with you in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Honor your father and mother. I want you to notice just three aspects of this commandment as we move forward. Honor, 
What does it mean to honor? Honor means to prioritize, to submit to, to praise, to revere something. We are to revere. We know what it means to honor days, to honor people, to revere them, to set them aside. We have anniversaries and memorial days and holidays where we slow down to say, hey, this has happened. This is important to remember. This is a part of the story. God commands us to revere, to prioritize and submit to in the same way that you remember the Sabbath, that uh, you set aside time to make this a priority. And when other things collide with it, this thing wins. Sabbath wins. Honor, present tense, present case. Revere your honor, your mother and your father. That built within the Ten Commandments is an authority structure. A divine structure, not a governmental right. Heard about that. There's some court cases that are going around. People are legislating. It's in the courses. I have a right to be a parent. Parenting is not legislated by the government. Parenting is a divine ordinance, a divine gift. It comes from God, given to mothers and fathers. And notice that both of them are there. Honor your father and your mother, both present, both to be revered, both to be honored and respected in the context of the home. That a home needs mother and father. And more than that, to say uh, mother and father is to say that you are to revere the structure and legacy of the past. It's not just mom and dad. This isn't just there so that mom and dad can get you to clean your room and wash the dishes. Okay, that's not what this commandment is about. This is a command to honor the structure and the legacy of the past that your mother and father are now playing forward into you. All right, so I'm supposed to do something in the present, honor what? The past, mother and father. Why? Because with it, they bring the blessings of the future that it may go well with you in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Mom and dad are the gateway into the promised land of God's blessing. You're heading into the land, he's saying. You're going to head into the land and you need the blessings of your mother and your father. You need to revere them and honor them. Why? They're lame. Mom can't even use a cell phone. Dad doesn't even know where the internet is. Why do I need to honor my parents? I mean, have you seen how they dress? Dad's socks come up to here with sandals on. You don't do that. You want me to honor them? You want me to revere them? Why do I need to revere mom and dad? Well, psh, doesn't matter. I'm 44. That's for kids, right? It's for kids. This commandment's for kids. This commandment was given to adults. It wasn't given to kids. In the same way as do not murder and do not commit adultery and do not bear false witness were given to adults, the command honor your mother and your father was given to adults. You have to put the command in the context of the story. This is Israel 
coming out of 40 years of wandering in the desert, getting ready to cross over into the promised land. And so Moses renews the promises and the commands. He says, hey, you're getting ready to head into the land, and you know what you need to remember? Revere your mother and your father. Why? Because your mother and your father are shaping your heart into loving God and loving others. I know there's no fill-ins, but that might be something you want to write down. Mother and father, shape my heart to love God and to love others. Heart is a very important word. They're shaping my heart. To do what? To love God and to love others. They enable me to know the story and to live within the story. To go forward, I have to learn how to look back. Parents are primary to living within God's promise. Parents are primary to learning how to live within God's promise. It goes back to the psalm that we read earlier, Psalm 78. There's a mechanism that God articulates within this psalm, an engine that I want you to see. It comes out of verse 5, where it's it's, it's this very short line. Just listen. It says, he established a testimony in Jacob. Okay, you need to understand it. He established a testimony. The word established means he put up a statue. He put up a monument, a memorial. And that monument is a witness, a repeater, something that repeats the story, that when you see that statue, when you're in the presence of that statue, it brings you back to and it reminds you of the messages of God. We spent some time living and pastoring in central New York, grew up in uh, Pennsylvania, and we have these. I joke about it all the time, okay? Okay, mountains, hills. You know what it's like trying to listen to the radio? Driving like this. I mean, you got a good song, and you're singing out to Journey, right? You're just letting it rip, and then all of a sudden, you go over this. It's gone. The radio station's gone. You're like, you guys don't have this problem, right? Why? Because you could listen to Journey from one side of Ohio to the next. So in central New York and parts of Pennsylvania, radio stations have to put in what they call repeaters. It's a tower that takes that signal and sends it forward, boosts it so that you can cover the hills and so that you can cover the valleys. There'll be a repeater here and a repeater here and a repeater here. So that radio station can send the music all over the place. God says, I have installed repeaters. And this repeater, guess how far it'll go? A good repeater? 100 years. 100 years. It's a faithful father and a faithful mother. A faithful father and a faithful mother enables the story of God to go 100 years into the future. That's what he says. 
If you were to keep reading in 78, we've read it together. He established a testimony in Jacob. He commanded our fathers to teach to their children that the next generation might know them, the children yet unborn, and raise and tell them to their children. If you do, father and mother, what you're supposed to do, the story transfers into your kids and they will, by design, transfer it into their kids who will then transfer it into their kids. That's four generations. That's 100 years. That means the faithfulness of a mother and father enables great-grandchildren to do what? Set their hope in God, not forgetting his works and keeping his commandments. Like a repeater, I need to honor my parents, revere my parents, turn that radio on, tune that station in, and turn it up. How? Because we're shaping hearts, right? It's all about what mothers and fathers do. Mothers and fathers shape my heart to love God and to love others. How? Let me give you an example. Within the Jewish home, what this one way that this would look, and it was called Shema. Okay, the Shema is a prayer that was recited every morning and every night. It was the combination of three passages in Deuteronomy 6, Deuteronomy 11, and Numbers 15. I'm going to read it for you in its entirety. I need you to notice two things. Number one, notice everything that it covers, okay? Because some of you are mad at me that I make you memorize the Lord's Prayer. Okay, you can crank that sucker out in eight seconds, this is a little bit more than eight seconds. And Oda, notice how it speaks to the issue of heart. Okay? So see if you can dial in as I'm reading this. This is Deuteronomy 6. The verses specifically are on the backside of your message notes if you want to look at them later. And even maybe take this as your, as your own challenge. Uh, I'm going to read this every single day. But in Deuteronomy 6, you'll recognize some of the words. Okay? This is how Shema begins. Hear, O Israel... The Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all your might. How many of you recognize those words? Like, yeah, I've heard those before. Awesome, that's where Jesus gets them. These words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Continuing in chapter 11. And if you will indeed obey my commandments that I command you today, to love the Lord your God, to serve them with all of your heart and with all of your soul, he will give the, the rain of your land in its season, the early rain and the latter rain, that you may gather in your grain and your wine and your oil. He will give grass in your fields for your livestock, and you shall eat and be full. Take care lest your heart be deceived and you turn aside and serve other gods and worship them. Then the anger of the Lord will be kindled against you and he will shut up the heavens so that there will be no rain and the land will yield no fruit and you will perish quickly off the good land that the Lord is giving you. You shall therefore lay up these words of mine in your heart and in your soul 
Bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall teach them to your children, talking of them when you are sitting in your house, when you are walking by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates, that your days and the days of your children may be multiplied in the land that the Lord swore to your fathers to give them as long as the heavens are above the earth. Then in Numbers 15, this is the last passage, this is the last part. And the Lord said to Moses, speak to the people of Israel and tell them to take tassels on the corners of their garments throughout their generations and to put a cord of blue on the tassel of each corner. And it shall be a tassel for you to look and remember all the commandments of the Lord, to do them, not to follow after your own heart and your own eyes, which you are inclined to whore after. So you shall remember and do all the commandments and be holy to your God. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. I am the Lord your God. How many of you are like, that was long? That was long, right? There's a lot of words there. Every morning, every night, faithful Jews would also do it at lunchtime. How much does it shape a life to do something every morning and every night? How much does that shape you? Does it have an impact? Let's say it's exercise, okay? <laughs> Sorry. Every morning and every evening, I'm going to go out and do something. Is that going to shape me? It'll actually shape me, won't it? How about if I don't exercise every morning and every day? Will it shape me? Clearly, yes. What if I do a certain thing? Will it shape me? If I do it every morning and I do it every night, will it shape me? Oh yeah, absolutely. How do you think it shaped a home when everyone began the day and ended the day with those words? Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength. You are to teach these things. He says, hey, parents, when you wake up in the morning, you know what your job is? Your job is to shape the hearts of your kids so that they love God and they love others. In fact, I want you to put it on the doorpost. I want you to slap it on the garage. I want you to nail it wherever you can. I want you to wear it. I want you to have actual reminders on your clothes so that when kids say, oh yeah, that's right, we're followers of God. We're followers of God. These are the things that we do. These are the things that we don't do. Every morning, every night. Why? Because God has established a testimony in Israel. God has created a system, a repeater by which a hundred years from now, people will know who God is, what God has done, and how he has delivered us. Morning and night, not hide and seek, it's show and tell. Guess what Jesus did every morning and every night? He prayed that. He prayed that. In fact, it was Jewish custom and Jewish habit that as children are learning to speak, 
They're given words from Deuteronomy and Numbers. Deuteronomy 33, actually. We're like, oh, he said mama, he said dada. Jewish kids are quoting scripture. That's how they're learning to talk. Jesus is praying, and, and you guess, as he gets this thing called his movement moving forward, his apostles take these commands and they run with them. So if you go to Ephesians chapter six, guess what the apostle Paul said? We're gonna set aside this mechanism of faithfulness? No, what does he say? Ephesians chapter six, verses one through four. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. This is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you, that you may live long in the land. Well, I thought it was, story hasn't changed. We're still moving towards hope. We're still moving towards blessing. Parents are still the main mechanism by which faith is passed on. So it only makes sense. If you turn that coin over, he says in verse four, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. Mom and dad, you bring them up. Teach them how to follow me. Teach them what they need to know. Discipline and instruction. What I do, what I need to know. How do I know the life? How do I live the life of Jesus Christ? And we'll send this message 100 years into the future. I can hear you already. I heard you 15 minutes into this message. So pastor, you're telling me I need to revere my parents because they are the ordained mechanism by which I grow into the promise of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. So you're telling me I need to revere my parents because they will lead me into the blessings of God. Mm -hmm. But my dad didn't do that. My dad was a monster. And my mom was a drunk. I thank God your system's broken. And I agree 100%. 100%. Welcome to the crisis of our age. It's not COVID and it's not who's sitting in the White House. And I say to you with tremendous compassion and love and understanding, I hear you. I know your story. I know what dad did to you. I know what mom did to you. I know what your grandparents were like. I know your story. It's not your fault. But it is now your responsibility. 
and you're looking through the tool bag that is faith and obedience and you know that your kids and your grandkids and your nephew and your niece, they're looking to you to understand how do I maneuver this thing called life and you're going through the pages and you're looking through the bag and you're like, I got nothing. Dad gave me nothing. And so you battle shame every morning because you know how much you're screwing this up. You are not to blame. But this is your problem. Because God's not backdooring the system. Take some comfort in knowing this is a very old problem. In fact, it's as old as the Ten Commandments themselves. You're like, you're kidding me. Dead serious. Because what do humans do? We screw it up. Let me show you a couple examples so that you can all know that we're all in the broken bus. Okay? Okay? Are you with me? Parents, you're all right. We're going to do this together. Okay? Let me show you just a couple of examples, but maybe it'll help us know how serious this is to be. In the beginning of Judges, Judges chapter 2 is an interesting exchange. These are just illustrations, okay? Um, Moses has died. Joshua has led the people into the promised land. They have conquered and they are establishing their life in the promised land. Okay, Joshua, mighty warrior, secondhand man to Moses. And the generation that saw God lead them through and who had done great things. Okay? Listen to this. This is Judges chapter 2. I just want to read it for you. This is Judges 2, 7. And the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua. Why wouldn't they? Joshua, good spiritual father, okay, good spiritual brother, leading the way. And all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua. So those who came after him who had all seen the great work of the Lord and all of it for Israel. He died. All of that generation died. And it says, There arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord or the work that he had done for Israel. And they abandoned the Lord, the God of their fathers, who brought them out of the land of Egypt and went after other gods. How long did it take? How easy is it every family is only one judgment away, one generation away. Every church is only one generation away. Let me show you one more example. This comes in first kings in first kings. Let me just show you the sequence of grandfather to son to grandson, okay. We're all in this together. This is 1 Kings. I'm going to start reading around the end of 1 Kings 16, okay, if you wanted to look at them later. Okay, there's a king whose name was Omri. He had a son, Ahab. He had a grandson, Ahaziah. Let me read to you. In 1 Kings 16, is what it says about grandpa, okay? Omri did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. This is 1625, if you just wanted to check it out later. And did more evil than all who were before him. He walked in all the ways of Jeroboam. That's a way of saying he was a really bad dude. 
and the sins that he made Israel to sin, provoking the Lord. He was the king. Provoking the Lord, the God of Israel, to anger by all their idols. Okay. Ahab, his son, reigned in his place. Well, maybe Ahab will be different. Because, you know, just because, you know, grandpa was a screw-up doesn't mean that his sons have to, you know, because maybe, maybe this will be different. Ahab, the son of Omri, did evil in the sight of the Lord more than all who were before him. Ahab did more to provoke the Lord, the God of Israel, to anger than all the kings of Israel who were before him. So it's not just that son did the same thing as his dad did. He took it to a whole other level of bad. A whole other level of bad. Ahab passes away and his son, Ahaziah, steps on the throne. Okay? So from grandpa to son to grandson. Ahaziah, the son of Ahab, began to reign over Israel. He did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and walked in the way of his father, in the way of his mother. He served Baal and worshipped him and provoked the Lord, the God of Israel, to anger in every way that his father had done. Are you ever familiar in the Bible you read about generational curses? This kind of seems like certain things get passed on from generation to generation to generation, right? We're hardwired that way. We're hardwired that way. Why do I bring up this illustration? During Ahab and Ahaziah's reign, there was a prophet in the land and his name was Elijah. Elijah, as in the epitome of prophet. When you think of prophet like weird guy dressed in weird stuff on the mountaintop calling down fire, it's that guy. The prophet that all the other prophets are compared to. The one prophet that John the Baptist kind of embodied. When you think of a prophet, you think of Elijah. He's the one who stands in Carmel and slays, literally slays all the evil priests and prophets. He calls fire down. That kind of prophet, okay? That kind of guy. That kind of vessel of God. He's in the land proclaiming the message of God. He goes to Ahab, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. Don't follow those gods. Come back to the Lord. Come back to the Lord. Come back to the Lord. He goes to Ahaziah after Ahab dies. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Follow after God. Follow after God. Follow after God. Or it's not going to go well. They do it anyways. Because, and this is what I need you to get. A parent's model is more powerful than the prophet's message. A parent's model, a grandparent's model, be more powerful than a prophet's message. You can have Elijah himself knock on your front door But it's mom and dad that shape your heart. And so we grow up and we ask ourselves, why do I do what my dad did? Why do I do what my mom did? 
And so we find ourselves at this crisis point in the life of the church. I speak from a place of humility in that I was incredibly blessed with a mother and father that raised me in the Lord. I thank God to this day. A dad who brought me to church at a young age, a mom who brought me to church at a young age, who gave me Bibles, who modeled and said, hey, certain things we do, certain things we don't do. And they came from parents who followed the Lord. I am proud to say and often embarrassed in my own life by my own choices. I actually come from generations of people who plant churches and teach the Bible. My ancestors were some of the ancestors who donated land to put the first churches in Crawford County back in Pennsylvania. Some of my ancestors were known as being healers and preachers in their communities. My grandmother taught Bible until she passed away. My dad was a teacher and a preacher. That's my gift to me. And you're like, and what about me? I didn't get that from my parents. I just learned how to get drunk on a Friday night. And that women are objects. I believe it's important for the church organization to come alongside of families to the best of our ability. We don't have children's ministry at House on the Rock. We have family ministry. And some of you might have not any idea what that is or what that looks like. There's actually another half to this building on the other side of this hallway. Some of you have no ideas except it's just loud over there. And I wanted to share with you, parents and all, so that you can be in prayer, how we come alongside of families to to change the story, to say what the prophet says in Psalm 78, we will not hide it. We will not hide it. We will share. We will tell the story. Blasting Zone, which is our student ministry, up through fifth grade into sixth grade, they go back to the lab. Um, They have, through the course of this year, uh, learning the great story of God. In fact, I went out into the hallway and I snapped a picture. There it is. Thank you, Lola. Okay, and so they're learning the grace of snakes all the way through from creation to the church and hope to come, okay? And so every Sunday they're getting anchored in that story by looking at very various parts of. Uh, right now they're in the life of Joseph, okay? So that's the big theme that they're working through in the blasting zone. But each month they kind of take, and inside of your, your notes, I gave an example of what are called the parent cues. Um, but over in the blasting zone, the theme this is, is called cliffhanger. The story isn't over. They're learning about Joseph and how he was sold by his brothers uh, into jail. They have a memory verse. Let us not become tired of doing good, but at the right time, uh, we will gather a crop if we don't give up. We are anchoring your kids in the story. Okay, every Sunday we're anchoring your kids in the story because maybe you didn't grow up knowing the story. Maybe you didn't grow up knowing that story. In fact, there's an example of those parent cues inside of your notes just to know. 
But in addition, it's just about knowing the story. So it's just about doing and living the story. So we have what we call uh, the foundation station. Could you bring up the, the next slide, Lola? It's got the two posters. Yep. Um, how, how we're helping families build their homes on Jesus Christ. You can see these posters out there. Just kind of understand that there's things like acts of kindness and inviting others and giving in the Bible. As kids come in on a Sunday morning, they're challenged to do these things throughout the course of the week. And so we have this foundation station, this house inside the blasting zone where they are challenged to blue, blue, active kindness. They can, as they leave the blasting zone, get a little note card. Hey, do this this week. Uh, share this this week. Do some act of kindness. And as they come back and report that and do that, they get to fill the house. What's the next color? Invite someone. Invite someone to the story. Invite someone to church. Bring a friend. You bring a friend, you get to give. Our God is a generous God. And I get that, parents, right? You know, their offering is normally what? It's your pocket change. That's fine. Right? It's your quarters and it's your dimes. That's great. Guess where you got your money from? Your father. As they come in and they make an offering towards helping Oscar and other global partners, they, they get to participate in that. And this one's my favorite. This is the Bible. Bring a Bible to church. Memorize the verse. Bring your parent cue back from the week. Have it signed do that. Kids are filling up the house. They fill up the house. They get a big party. They challenge you. Act of kindness. Invite others to the story. Give generously. Saturate your life with the word of God. They're learning to do these things. Doing the same thing over in the lab, learning to grow, to immerse themselves. Parents, we're not taking your place. We're trying to come alongside of you to help you. And so you take this, I say, I've never seen this parent cue my entire life. Your kids have. All the lab workers say Amen. But on the back of your notes, there's more information every single month about what kids are being taught and where you can find more information about it. If you have students that go to the lab or could be going to the lab at nine o'clock, we have classes. Aaron Gosser's got cards about humanity. Ethan Motter, where's Ethan at? I've seen him running around somewhere. Okay, he's teaching on a class with Mark. I hear it's awesome. You can go to that. You can get anchored in the story. And then you and your high school students can come out and experience worship together at the same time. Because maybe you didn't grow up in it. It's not your fault. It is your responsibility. It is your responsibility. In addition to this, the elders, we are in the middle of prepping what some of you would call catechism, what I just call a foundational program. And it will launch prayerfully right after Easter this spring where once a week we begin building a foundation because the house rests on a good foundation of, notice these four things, the gospel, the creed, the Lord's prayer, and the 10 commandments. And you're like, but we're learning those things. You're welcome. <laughs> so,
so that our kids can build a life upon Jesus Christ. And so you'll see more information about that rolling out. Something that prepares them so they can then step towards the baptismal waters and the Lord's table and know exactly who God is, what his story is, and their part in that story. Show and tell. We are not a church of hide and seek. Why don't we learn to apply this this week, this commandment? Martin Luther would take each commandment and he would turn it into a teaching point, a point of thanksgiving, a point of confession, and a point of prayer. How can this teach me? Hmm. I need to respect and honor the faith that's come before me. God, thank you for your faithfulness bringing me to this place. I get, I get my dad was that and my mom was that, but God, in your graciousness, in your faithfulness, you've brought me to this place. God, thank you. Thank you for teaching. Thank you for making that available to me. The abundant life, the faithful life. God, thank you for that. Confession. God, I really screwed that one up today. I did not show and tell. I hid my faith. And I don't want my kids looking for answers when they grow up. Prayer. God, tomorrow will you help me be faithful? Whether I'm a parent, a grandparent, uncle, aunt, whatever it might be. God, I'm going to serve in the blasting zone. God, I'm going to serve in the lab. God, I'm going to help anchor the next generation in your story, in your teaching, and all that Jesus has done for me. I will not hide. We will not hide. We will tell of the work of God. and his faithfulness. Thank you for sharing your time with us, and we'd love for the journey to continue. If you're a guest, would you consider reaching out to us? We would love to come alongside and encourage you in any way that we can. If you're someone who's joined us today and you are desperately reaching to find hope wherever you can, again, Jesus came that we would find hope. You can find hope today you want to send us a short note, a member of our HOPE team would reach out quickly, promptly to come alongside and see what we can do to encourage you in whatever storm you might find yourself in. That's why Jesus came. And that's why we're here. Jesus said there's two ways to live your life. And a wise man, a wise woman builds their life on Jesus' instructions. God bless.